I bet you love a good story, especially a God story, just as much as I do. Hi, I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Psalm 68.3 in the New Living Translation says, Let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. My guest today is a living testimony of that verse. Susie Wolf is a woman of many, many talents. She's a concert pianist. She's a realtor. She founded a nonprofit called Seniority Services, and she's a college professor and a chaplain. She's also a dear friend with a generous heart and a joyful spirit. Now, Susie's been through some challenging times along the way uh, that's required great faith and perseverance, but she has come through them with the joy of the Lord as her strength. I know her God story is going to challenge and encourage you at the same time. So welcome, Susie. Thank you, Jody. It's an honor and a joy to be with you today. Susie, you didn't grow up in a Christian family. It wasn't the traditional Christian home. You were actually Jewish and you were raised in that faith and tradition which is a bit different for a lot of people. I'd love to hear about your heritage and how it led into much of what God's done in and through you even now. You know, Jody, the wonderful thing about the Lord is he's working in our lives every step of the way. From a young age, the Lord really allowed me to know that he was real. At bedtime, there were prayers every night to God. The only difference is there was no mention of Jesus. Now, my parents were of Jewish background and heritage, and somewhere along the way, their practices became more, I guess you would say, nominal, though there were times that we would go to service at temple, or there'd be a special celebration, and we would go. But the beautiful thing is that my parents' highly valued education, kind of a traditional Jewish value, right? They want their kids to get a great education. And so my brother and I both were sent to a college preparatory school. Well, it so happened that this college prep school had interdenominational Christian services every week. So from the age of five, I was raised going to chapel services at Houston's St. John's School. And for me, that became very precious, sang in the choir from young age all the way up. And the interesting thing about it is my parents had no problem whatsoever with their children going to a college prep school where there were Christian services. As a matter of fact, my mother was a graduate of a uh, Catholic school in San Antonio, Texas, Incarnate Word College. And so and my dad his graduate school program was also at a Catholic university. God was sowing seeds all along the way. It really was, he? in their lives and in mine. So then you kind of had that groundwork being laid in you. When did you actually come to faith in Jesus? When I was in junior high, two friends who were one grade ahead of me. One was a born-again Catholic. Her dad was Baptist. Her mother was Catholic, filled with the Holy Spirit. The other was in a denominational setting, a Presbyterian church, and we were walking around the school one day, and one of the girls said, we sing these songs about Jesus in chapel. Do you know who he is? And I said, well, I know what the words say in the lyrics, and Jesus, son of God, but she could tell the light had really not gone on. And her her closing words to me were, be a good Jewish daughter, and God will show you the rest. Well, all I knew about that was just honor my mom and dad, do well in school, 
prepare for a piano performance major in college. So there were lots of auditions and performances. So just be a good, dutiful daughter and God will show me the rest. That's where the seeds were really planted. So fast forward to my freshman year. She was pretty wise for being a young a young girl to she really, give you that advice. Yes, you know? she really was. And she still is. Very dear friend to this day. So it's it spanned our lifetime, the friendship, and will always be grateful for the seeds of faith that were planted. So you're being dutiful. You're being the dutiful daughter. And then, you know, the Lord's probably still speaking to you along the way. But when did you actually say, hmm, there's, he's more than just, he really wants to be a part of my life for leading and guiding me. You're right. Actively involved. Yes. So I always loved history, Jody, all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. After my senior year graduation, I had this desire to read the Bible and it read like a great history book. Well, this is wonderful to hear, you know, how God moved in these people's lives along the way. But what I didn't know is the drastic change that was going to happen in my family just within a year. So during my freshman year at Rice University, my mother was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer. It was already fairly advanced and so they began treatment. The prognosis did not look good. And I was praying in October of 1981. I distinctly remember just the words of my friends coming back to me. And I said, Jesus, if you were real, I opened my heart to you. The following week, all I knew is one of my teachers at St. John's was an ordained Methodist minister. And I thought, well, I'm going to find a church just like Mr. Harper's, and I am going to go. And I knew enough to know you had to walk the aisle. How I knew that was, again, for those for those classmates who had taken me at times to a candlelight service. We always had candlelight service at Christmas. It's the school. But this was enjoying church with my friends. So I knew enough to walk the aisle, went to this church, and you know they had a fabulous care pastor who walked the journey with me and the family for a very brief period of time, it turned out to be, when mother uh, when mother's health turned and she passed. And the minister was with her when she passed, and I had planted seeds of salvation and trusted that the Lord took those seeds, watered it, and took care of mom. Then the journey for the rest of the, yes, absolutely. He is so faithful. And, and that was just the beginning of the journey. How did your dad respond to this? I mean, I know you were all grieving your, your father and your brother. I mean, you lost, you lost your mom. Uh, Obviously you were in great grief. How did he kind of feel about you confessing Jesus as savior? I mean, that, what was that walk with him like? Um, I mean, he wasn't, you know, a, a seriously practicing Jewish man at the time, but um, I mean, that was his tradition and faith. Absolutely. It was his tradition, his parents, his grandparents. There's a book that's been out for a while called Betrayal, and it has to mm. do with a Jewish girl who came to faith in Messiah and the parents' reaction. And dad yeah. had a hard time with it. And there were a lot of dynamics happening in the family at the time of mother's passing. This news was a shock to him. And in a way, Jody, I think it compounded his grief. It was like, wow, what what has happened to my daughter? And my wife is gone. My brother had some life issues that he was dealing with. And so uh, my dad's world was really being shaken and turned upside down. 
Did your relationship with your father survive through that? Well, it was strained. There was a lot of support that went to my dad. And and mutually, when mother passed, there were just some family obligations, things that needed to be done. And so I helped even while I was still at university. But his reactions were, were as you could expect. They were not favorable. So there was a strain on the relationship. Uh, Along the way, through the years, we had about a two-year period of time where communication was very limited. And he did not understand this path or this journey I was on. Here I'd gone to college prep school, went to a school known as Ivy League of the South. And wow, my daughter's become a Christian. She's been teaching public school, but now she is going into quote unquote, full-time ministry. And so it was another like, what has happened to my daughter? You kind of lost a little bit, both parents during that time, lost your mother and, and estranged somewhat from your father, not completely, but somewhat. But then God introduced you to kind of a family of faith. How did that happen? And what, what transpired that really, I mean, he rallied some amazing people around you to carry you through that really. Absolutely. So Part of that journey happened during my time in college, and Psalm 27 became very real. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. And that's how I felt. There were some friends at the university who were part of Campus Crusade for Christ, some that were part of InterVarsity Fellowship. There was a small support system that really got me through. However, the bigger changes came with some classmates at university who introduced me to their community church. And then they said, well, we also sometimes go to this church uh, known as Lakewood. The whole journey of faith and hope and the joy of the Lord was gradually being restored, that there is a hope for a future, that there is joy unspeakable. And in the midst of our sorrow, the Lord can bring, bring great joy. And it was through those connections initially that I got plugged into a local church in the mid-1980s, and some ministers began to come to this church. Among them were people involved in street ministry, those involved in outreach music ministry, and the Lord was has already transforming what I knew as a classical pianist. I was part of a neighborhood Bible study for junior and senior high kids, and they said, We're going to, we do praise and worship. Would you begin to play some praise and worship? And I was like, okay, where's the music? And they said, well, there is no music. We usually have chord charts and we play by ear. And, and I thought, well, this is new. Well, the Lord gave a grace to do that. And so he was turning my morning into joy and into dancing. But it was, it was literally a transformation, even of the gift of music, from traditional classical to praise and worship that focused on the Lord. That was being redeemed as well. Not that there was anything wrong with the classical, but there was the spirit giving life. And uh, from those connections and those meetings where different ministers would come to church, I got connected with two ministries in particular. One did outreach music ministry and the other did street ministry and Bible studies. And it's a ministry uh, we're both very familiar with, uh, Turning Point Ministries, as it was known in the day, and Doug Stringer. And I started attending the Bible studies and we began to have wonderful times. We had wonderful times of worship. And then we would go, teams of us would go from several different ministries out to minister to people on the streets. 
that's a big departure from, you know, classical piano to street ministry. Back in the day when you were doing the street ministry with Doug and with many others, the streets were pretty tough in Houston. It was a street called Montrose, if I if I recall correctly. And um, there were a lot of street kids, but there was drug, drug addictions going on, a lot of prostitution. What was that like? You kind of stepped out in faith uh, to do this, but I'm sure there was a little trepidation yeah, along the way. You are absolutely right, because I was timid at first. And some, some other friends who were there were just very natural in sharing their faith on the streets. And so I just kind of stayed in the background and prayed and prayed in the spirit, prayed for the Lord's intervention in people's lives. And, you know, the beautiful thing is there was a community of people, probably about a hundred plus of us who would gather engineers, accountants, college students, new graduates, young families, and we all had the same heart. And it was that people would come to know Jesus. So regardless of their walk of life, it really didn't matter. When we came into a Friday night Bible study, our labels were off. Our identity as NASA engineer or pianist or teacher, those hats were off. We were brothers and sisters in Christ who came together for a common cause. And that was- the- Amen. Well, I think it's such a, yeah, such a good lesson that you know, you you were obedient to the Lord, even though you were a little scared. Yeah. And then you just prayed. You watched and prayed and learned. Yeah. And I think it's such a good, important thing for us to understand. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to be an expert in the kind of ministry God's calling us to right from the start. We just step in faith, yeah. believing. You know, He comes along and uh, teaches us along the way through others, through prayer. I know that you got really comfortable with street ministry, you actually joined Turning Point Ministry on the staff and saw some pretty amazing transformation in lives. I would love for you to tell a story or two about the people that you saw on the street and, and what God did through the ministry that was happening. For the sake of their own testimony, I'll just give an abbreviation. There was a young lady named Dee. Dee was a young girl when she was introduced to the street life probably about 14 at the time. Um, Her parents had either kicked her out, abandoned her, something along those lines. And unfortunately, she was taken up into the world of prostitution. And uh, that was really her life. All she knew was survival. One of the other young ladies on the streets, her name initial would be B. B would say, we're, we're sisters and we're, we're brothers. We're our own family out here. And we, we stand for each other. We cut for each other. And what she meant by that is, you know, nobody's going to mess with us. We are here standing strong. And, you know, reaching some of the girls was sometimes tougher than reaching the guys because their hearts had really become hardened. They had to be tough in order to survive. Well, this young lady started, she would hear us talk about the Bible studies. And one thing I want to interject, Jody, is that before we would go to the streets, we always had a time of prayer and worship. There would be the Bible study before, but we also went to a place called the Upper Room, which was a house where a ministry was based literally on Montrose. And the second floor was the place that all these street teams, we would gather before we dared step foot into basically the enemy's territory. And so we would pray, we would worship, we would ask God cleanse our hearts so that nothing that's out here on the streets would even have a foothold to attach itself to us so that we could be free to be the ministers of the gospel we're called to be. 
And so Dee heard about the Bible studies and she wanted to come. Her boyfriend slash pimp wasn't so sure about this. There were times that, that he would come around as well. When he saw her heart turning and being drawn to the, the potential for freedom and fullness of life in Christ, he really fought to keep her. And uh, the ministry leader at the time, Doug, actually ended up making a stand so that this young lady could stay in the Bible study. And when I say make a stand, he had to get between this young lady and this man so that he would not take her out of the meeting. You know, there were some things that we saw on the streets that you you pray your children never experience and you don't want them to see. It was rough territory, but you know, God had given me a heart for the kids, as we called them, the street kids, without detail, just because a relative had gone through some things that I was going, you know what, maybe I can't help this one. But if I can help somebody else's brother or sister or nephew or niece, then Lord, I make myself available to you. And I think that's the key with this type of ministry or any type of ministry. We're just saying as, as we were really mentored, Lord, we just make ourselves available to you and have your way in us. Isn't that really, Jody? what surrendering to Christ means? It's like I may have had all these different plans, but the Apostle Paul, he was a learned man. He, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he knew the word, he knew the traditions. But when God got a hold of his heart, all of that really just washed away because there's something that he found was that much greater. And that's, that's really where I was. It was like, you know, I could teach school and I enjoy teaching, but there's something more important. Not that education isn't, but the souls. If we can reach these people with the gospel, then their lives will be changed forever. Amen. So D, did she come to know so the Lord? D did come to know the Lord. And it is a story of redemption. And yes, she had her bumps along the way. She went to uh, mm-hmm. prison for a period of time, but she ended up in a halfway house program that really every seed that was planted of the gospel through this ministry, through other ministries, um, it came to fruition. And she is now mentoring and discipling other young women so that they won't have to go through some of the things that she did. And she is doing well. Mm. And that's been for probably two decades worth of living out of her faith. Definitely a story of redemption. And and there were many others. There were many many others. others There were many. As a matter of fact, many of them would call uh, the ministry office, even if we hadn't heard from them in five years, all of a sudden the phone call would ring because one of the, one of the values was this phone number is always available to you as much as possible. It will always be here. And so call 24 seven. And, and that's where the ministry became known as call 24 seven. Somebody cares. And and these street kids knew that and they did continue to come. Yeah. I mean, the Lord says, you know, some plant, some water, some harvest, and you never know how long that's going to take in people's lives. But, you know, every once in a while, one of them would call and let you know what they were doing. And God would just give you that little glimpse into the work he was doing in the harvest field he had sent you into, which is, you know, just like God, of course, he wants to encourage us and, and show us his goodness in all things. So, but, you know, in the middle of all of that, while you were working with this ministry, God was also doing a work in your relationship with your father too, right? Absolutely, Jody. You know, dad would come along, uh, come around to the Bible studies, not every week, but frequently enough because he really was keeping an eye. What is my daughter involved with? That was really the motive. But the beautiful thing about it is he was hearing the word of God, Old Testament and new. 
He was hearing connections made in the messages to the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, for which I am so very grateful. He was getting the word planted in his spirit. But most importantly, people were loving on my dad. There was a whole community of people known as turning pointers who loved on my dad. And that love made all the difference. And he would open his home at the holidays. He would cook a big turkey. Sometimes, yes, this Jewish man would even bake a wonderful ham. And it would be a time of gathering the single adults, uh, primarily, though some of the families came, but the singles had a place to go, a home where they could enjoy a good meal and, and have fellowship. And it was beautiful. And there was a young man at the time, and probably not that young, maybe in his 40s, named John. John became a main intercessor for the ministry. John had contracted the AIDS virus due to um, being a drug mule, but he was the most gentle, spirited, kind-hearted man you'd ever want to meet. He connected with my dad, and my dad connected with him. He would come over to my dad's house. I would sometimes pick him up, and sometimes my dad would. He could not work a normal job just because of health issues. He, he was getting frail, but he would come and help dad with projects. His favorite was my dad would uh, fix some tuna fish sandwiches for lunch. And he was planting seeds of faith in my dad. And dad was loving on John like a son. And I remember driving John home one day and he said, Susie, give up on no man as long as he has breath. And he was quoting a an, an long-time, old-time evangelist and prayer, prayer person. He said, God is working in your father. And he was absolutely right. And so the entire time that I uh, served at this ministry, my dad was dealing with a low-grade form of cancer that was recurring from 1990 all the way to his passing in 2006. He had dealt with cancer, and we were back and forth hospital visits, and things were pretty as much as you could say routine for a, quite a while. And then fast forward. And you, and you were actually living with him to, to be kind of a caregiver. Yes. Right? During his latter years. So I was living on okay. my own until about 2002 and moved back in mm -hmm. with him because his care needs were increasing. I lived at the time about a half an hour away from him. It's like, no, he's getting into his late eighties and he needs some help. And so I moved back in and it was not, the easy thing, as we all know, as adult children, when you move back in with your parent, they definitely have their ways. It's their home. You're honoring them. But at sure. the same time, you're going, the relationship changes. You know, the dynamics are, are different. And um, the Lord made it into one of the sweetest, richest seasons of our relationship. Well, he just restored everything. He really did. And in that time, just share with our listeners, what God did in your dad's life. So my dad was a, um, a very intellectual man. He was uh, in the medical profession and he really saw things rather clinically, very pragmatically. And in the midst of the real in-depth part of his cancer journey, he had major surgery, nearly lost him after the surgery. Ministers from one of the area churches, Grace Community Church, came to uh, pray for dad in ICU. And at the time I said, God, it's not time. He hasn't confessed you yet. Please extend his time. And I will backtrack. When he was first diagnosed around 1990, I said, Lord, would you do for my father 
what you did for King Hezekiah and give him 15 more mm. years. And in that time, may he come to know you. So fast Amen. forward, we're in the early 2000s and this was 2005 now, and he'd had major surgery. He did pull through, he came home. And one night I'm sleeping on the sofa to be catty cornered to keep an eye of his bedroom in case he needed help. Going to the ER was kind of a normal thing. Things come up. And so about three o'clock in the morning, dad all of a sudden shuffled out of his bedroom and slumped over his walker and shaking his head. And I thought, oh boy, we're getting ready to go to the hospital. And I said, dad, do I need to get ready to take you? And he said, no, Susie, no. Did you lock the door? Yeah, I locked the door. What about the alarm? Did you set the alarm? Yeah, I set the alarm. Did you crack a window? Sometimes he would do that in the wrong season. It was a different season of year. He'd crack a window for cross ventilation. No, dad, it's springtime, probably around this same time of year that it is now, Jody. There's no window cracked. What's wrong, dad? He said, well, I don't know what to make of it. Jesus visited me last night. We sat at the breakfast table and we talked for quite a while. Wow. He wasn't even a Christian at that point, right? Correct. He was not a believer. Well, he was a believer, but that's, that was the next step. So I wanted to just shout, praise the Lord. But I knew not to excite him any more than he was already trying to wrap his brain around what was happening. And I just said, that's really great, Dad. Do you think you can go back to sleep? He said, I'm going to try. And he shuffled back into his bedroom. But Jody, from that morning on, he referred to Jesus as the Son of God. Wow. And his faith journey God just revealed himself to, I mean, God revealed himself to your dad and just like... You know, it was like a a scene out of the Bible, out of the book of Acts or something. It was, you know, I have not had that kind of visitation myself from the Lord, but that's that's what it took. It took the Lord intervening and showing him all these messages you've heard, all these people who've loved on you. The reason why is Jesus the Messiah, the one that you have longed for your entire life. And there was a little side note about my dad that he told me after all of that. He said when he was a small boy growing up in San Antonio, there would be times that there would be tent ministries, you know, tent meetings Mm -hmm. that would come to town. And he said every now and again, he would sneak in just to see what was happening. So the Lord, I totally believe, was planting seeds his whole life. And dear friends who were part of uh, Turning Point back in the day were plugged into a church, Grace Community, and said, we think your dad would really enjoy their senior adult ministry class. It's called Joy, Just Older Youth. Even Uh after chemo treatments, we would be there on Sunday mornings the last year and a half of his life. And that became a community for my father and for me as a caregiver. Just the joy of knowing he's home with the Lord. He's with Yeshua, the one, the promised Messiah for for the Jewish people. And uh, the Lord did it himself. Well, I know that that season was, I mean, you were ministering on the streets, you were working for Turning Point Ministries, which was a tiny little ministry. So you were really walking by faith in all of that. You were caring for your father, which, you know, I mean, it got better. But when you first made that decision, it was pretty bumpy along the way. But God was so faithful to, you know, answer the cry of your heart when you just walked in obedience, humility, and just laid down your life in obedience to the Lord to walk with God. And you got to see the Lord do some 
amazing things on the street and right at home. God always has been concerned about the poor and the widows and the fatherless and somebody cares, which actually was birthed out of Turning Point Ministries, has always provided opportunities for believers to get involved in that, which is why we created a widow and orphan fund. And as we record this, actually, there's a huge need right now to help Ukrainian orphans who've been traumatized by the war. We received word from one of the partners of ours that as they were evacuating one group of orphans from Ukraine, one of the boys was so traumatized by the shelling that he tried to kill himself actually in the van while they were evacuating. Praise the Lord. People were around him, were able to stop him and minister to him. But so many of these children are disoriented and they're fearful. And as a company of women together, you know, all of us listeners, we can come together and do so much to help them and and other orphans and widows who are in need. So if you want to join us to help the Ukrainian orphans and other orphans around the world and and widows of ministers, please go to hergodstory.org and click on help now, hergodstory.org. We would love for you to join us. There's so so much need. You may be already helping through another organization, which is fantastic. But if you don't have a a way to do that now, we, we invite you to join us. And Susie, I know your heart is really heavy over what's happening in Ukraine. You know, the Lord, that's kind of your heritage uh, came out of Ukraine. And the Lord called you to go there several years ago on a mission trip. So tell us how that transpired and what God spoke to you in the midst of all of that. Absolutely. And you know, Jody, I'll, I'll make this as brief as I can, but one of the beauties of working with Turning Point is that we were involved in global missions all along the way. There was even citywide networking that happened among pastors and ministry leaders. And so that people knew if you had somebody coming off the streets or in other situations where they needed help, there was a network of ministries and churches that we developed relationships with that we could contact and and we would find help for the individual or for the group of people. And, And we've seen that just magnify tremendously through Somebody Cares America and International. Well, along the way, I've had the privilege of going on several missions trips, which for, again, this previously shy, introverted young lady, I went to Belize, Central America, went to New Zealand, Fiji, Israel with the ministry. And then in more recent years, while I was attending grad school, which my dad knew I was going to go to grad school for gerontology, I happened upon a wonderful church in North Texas known as Gateway. Through Gateway Church, I connected with their Jewish ministries department, and there was missions trips uh, available to participate in. So I've gone to Berlin and Brussels, Belgium, as part of evangelism. And in more recent years, literally the year before COVID-19 shut the world down, so to speak, uh, in the fall of 2019, I had the privilege of going to the very town where my father's parents and grandparents were from. We went to minister in Odessa, Ukraine, and even found the history records of his family and uh, where they had lived. And we traveled up and down that street. So Ukraine is absolutely on my heart. I have traced back now four and five generations back on my dad's side. Both his mother and his father are from from that region of the world. And so to hear the plight of the orphans and the widows and the the mothers who, who have left and evacuated with their children, where the dads maybe have stayed behind, it is heartbreaking to see what's happening. 
in a, in a world that, you know, and in a region of the world where we were just literally three years ago. You met while you were there, you met a very vibrant um, church body that was really ministering throughout Odessa and, and Ukraine. You know, we know that there are strong believers in Ukraine strong that believers. continue to minister during this, the, this Absolutely. war, but They're we hear from hard. them and they say, please yes. pray. Absolutely. They are still holding church. They're still holding church services each week. They're taking food out into the community. They are providing shelter. And of course, initially, those that needed to evacuate because their towns were being hit so hard, they helped them evacuate in across the border into safe, safe haven, so to speak. Well, now the very some of the very towns where they have been sort of sheltered are also being hit, but the church continues to do what the church does. And as a matter of fact, I've heard of another group of churches connected with um, another organization, and they have a well on one of their properties, and it's providing water to the community because the water supply in the city has been cut off, but the church has a well. And so isn't that the beauty of what Somebody Cares is able to do in the world? Yeah, we have a lot of partner churches over in uh, actually Romania and Poland and Slovakia and in Ukraine that that we are trying to help. But we won't get too deep into that because we want to go back to your story and what God done specifically for you. Ecclesiastes 3, it tells us that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And you serve faithfully in the ministry of Turning Point and then which turned into Somebody Cares. But as you served, God was forming in you a new vision that required another step of faith. You kind of touched on it. You said you went back to get your master's degree in um, gerontology, but that was a bit of a process. I mean, because you had been ingrained in this family of faith that God placed you in. Walk us through that. What, what was, how did God birth that in you and what was the process? It began one day when my dad was in the emergency room at MD Anderson Hospital in Houston. I was leaning over him and I said, Dad, I want to go back to school to help people like you. And his first reaction was, my baby girl, why would you want to do that? And I said, why mm. wouldn't I want to do that? It is a joy. And I meant that sincerely. It is a joy and an honor to serve our parents in their latter years. Now, it looks different for everybody. I would never say to sure. anyone, you have to move back in with your loved one or they have to move in with your family. Every situation is different. For some, being in assisted living is the best option for them. And it, it makes the most sense. However, God was birthing in my heart a burden for the widow for the widower, for those mm -hmm. who in their latter years, sometimes society marginalizes and says, well, you know, you've, you've given your best years and now you're going to basically fade into the sunset. And it's like, no, we want to honor our elders for all that they've invested in us. And if we take the opportunity to receive what they've planted in us, we're going to be that much better for it. And so we're our kids and our grandkids, our nephews, great nephews, nieces. And there's a generational blessing that comes from our seniors. And so we want Amen. to, we want to honor and serve them. So that's where the seed was planted. I remember a time where I was, I was wrestling like, Lord, this is, this is great, but there's a whole generation of people that need to know the love of Jesus. And really that's where it came from, Jody. My mother, my father, and my older brother all came to faith in Jesus through end of life issues. 
through illness, specifically through illness. Uh, Each of them dealt with cancer. Their journeys were all Mm -hmm. very different, but it was in that window of opportunity that they came to know the Lord. I know that God is no respecter of persons, that what he did for little Susie Wolf's family he wants to do for a whole generation of people that in their latter years would be greater than their former. And that maybe the seeds that were planted in them in childhood or at a young age, and they drifted away or life happened that they would come to know the love of the father before they entered eternity. And that is really what took me to grad school. It was that heart motivation, but there was equipping that needed to happen. I needed to Mm -hmm. learn about the psychological process, the biological processes, the things that happen with aging and how we navigate the changes. You got your degree? You got your master's in social work? It was a master of science and applied gerontology. And the Lord had you start a new ministry. He did. And it was actually while I was in grad school that the ministry was being birthed. And it started with local outreaches, but it really has developed into one-on-one ministry to families and how Mm -hmm. to do life care planning. And definitely the heart is for the family caregiver, whether it is the spouse or the adult children or another relative who's caring for them and helping them figure out what is going to be best for their loved one. In addition to that, we have seasonal outreaches at the holidays and even specifically ministry to the Jewish community Mm -hmm. because there's a way to bridge relationships with those who are the original, who have not yet seen that Jesus is their Messiah, the one they've hoped for. So the outreaches are always twofold. They're to general public, but they are also targeted uh, outreaches specifically toward the traditional Jewish community as well. You are doing this seniority services, the name of your, your ministry. You're doing that by faith in order to help support yourself or God provided two other ministry opportunities for you, which are so unique. And I love it because God has you ministering to multiple generations in very different ways. I mean, you're a college professor, you're teaching and interacting with late teen 20 somethings, and you're a chaplain to businesses. So you're, you know, you're working with that sandwich generation and then you have the ministry to the elderly. It's so, I think it's a beautiful thing because you can really help people communicate through the generations. Tell us about that. I mean, I just love what God's doing through you. It's so unique that I think it's worth hearing about because God may have some other really unique ways to use people. They they wouldn't necessarily think about it, but God has them there for a purpose. Absolutely. And you know, the beautiful thing about teaching is that some are young adults and some are uh, single parent moms who've gone back to school because they want to better themselves and to set, and several of them have said, we want to set an example for our children that you can Mm -hmm. go beyond. You don't have to just stay where you are. There is potential within you that can be developed. And I love education for that that reason, whether we're talking small children, young adults, or adults who are working full-time jobs and and raising their kids at the same time. In addition, the chaplaincy is a wonderful opportunity to connect with people of various backgrounds in all kinds of industry, from oil and gas to uh, perhaps banking to just industries where they're they're service oriented. It's everyone from CEOs down to the maintenance crew, and they're all loved on equally. 
and provided chaplain care. And I just, I love the way the Lord brings opportunities to us. And, you know, there's a phrase that, that I grew in ministry hearing, and it's so true. The kingdom of God is built on relationship. And it's because of relationship yeah. with different people that some of these avenues have opened. And I am just so grateful for the connection within the body of Christ of how we can support one another and bring out the giftings and the, the skills within each other and iron sharpening iron. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy doing, even beyond all of that, Jody, in this season of life, the Lord has brought me full circle into understanding and embracing the Jewish roots of my faith as a mm-hmm. as a Jewish woman. I get the opportunity through local churches to host Shabbat, which is the Sabbath, and we pray the blessings and introduce believers into the whole concept of the Jewish roots of the faith and teaching about the Jewish feasts and how that is relevant to us as believers in Jesus. Yeah, you know, we really don't understand all that God says in the Bible without understanding some of that Jewish heritage uh, because there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of truth in the Bible that is constantly we're uncovering as we read the Bible, as we pray, as we, you know, as God brings these opportunities, opportunities like you providing people, uh, Passover services and Shabbat services, we never know everything. God's constantly revealing new truth to us. And there's so much to be learned from the Jewish heritage. Absolutely. And Jody, one of the things that I could say is, you know, I've now walked, been walking with the Lord for just over 40 years. Mm-hmm. God has brought this Jewish lady full circle in the sense that I did not leave my roots. I have a better understanding yeah. of my roots now than I certainly did even as a young believer 40 years ago. And so I, I say that to say, God is a restorer of relationship the way he did with my earthly father. He is a mm-hmm. restorer of areas of our life where we go, how, how is he going to put the pieces together? How is all of this going to fit and make sense? And so my encouragement yeah. to any woman or person listening who goes, wow, I laid this down or I thought I was going this direction and then I'm doing something, to- what seems to be totally different. I had a music yeah. teacher who was a believer who said to me years ago, piano instructor, and she said, God has the perfect economy, Susie. He wastes nothing. And I can say, yeah. I'm not at the end of my journey, but I'm far enough along in my journey to say, it's true. He really does take these aspects of our lives that we go seemingly are not related or things have shifted in a direction and we had no idea that shift was coming, but the Lord does and he takes it all and he says, see, I'm putting together this beautiful life, this tapestry, and I'm weaving all of these aspects of your life together. And it's not only a testimony of his faithfulness to us, but it's an encouragement to others along their journey that God has got a plan and a purpose for them. And, you know, we were also encouraged early on in ministry life, be faithful to someone else's vision and God will give you your own. Mm. And so we just honor the Lord, whether it's in our church, in our home, in our neighborhood, you know, loving people, just being 
the light that we are called to be. And he really does take care of the rest. I know. I've had my own kind of circuitous journey in life. I mean, I my first degree was I was a computer science major and I was a computer programmer. And then the Lord sent me to graduate school in a completely different field in communication and biblical studies. And I became an event planner. And then the Lord took me into humanitarian relief and I traveled all over the world doing that. And I now I'm, you know, working at one of the ministry leaders at Somebody Cares, still doing some of that. And the Lord has, you know, he doesn't waste anything all along the way. I look back and I say, gosh, I've had so many different careers, but all of them intersect in ministry in different ways that I never would have had the skills or the knowledge unless God had taken me on that securitous route. Even the volunteer opportunities and ministry opportunities I've had through the years, if I had said no to them, I would have missed learning experience that God had for the future. Ministry at the time, it wasn't just learning. There was ministry happening at the time, but also learning for the future. So yeah, we can't despise anything the Lord does in our life because God does. He brings it all back to, to for us to use. I love that kind of that life lesson for all of us. Um, so Susie, there are, there've got to be a couple practical things that the Lord has taught you. Um, one or two practical things that you can share with our listening friends uh, that they can do today or this week to deepen their walk with the Lord, because you have a deep faith, a deep walk with the Lord. What what would be a couple of things that anybody can do to really deepen their walk with the Lord even now? You know, I think it's, they are simple. They're practical, but they're simple. There's daily devotion time. For me, mm. that is worship at the piano. You know, that's that's really my my prayer room. Uh, some refer, refer to it as a prayer chair. Uh, my worship and intercession really go hand in hand. And I will often yeah. pray through things during my times of personal private worship with the Lord and time in the word. The other is the impact that it has on us individually to be part of a small group community of, of people who are engaged in Bible study together, are praying together, lifting one another up, iron sharpening iron. We can always learn from others. And I have the pleasure of facilitating a, a woman's Zoom group, actually, that started in the midst of COVID. Zoom became mm -hmm. the way for people to connect. And we are still connecting yeah. two and a half years into this um, with some of the same ladies and some newer ones at all stages of life. Uh, from empty nesters to, to moms with little ones to single adults like myself. And we each bring something to the table from our life experience. So I think that it is both, both a personal commitment to the Lord and to the word and in our own de devotion time with him, but it's also in community. We grow when we're in that type of small group connection where we are inspiring one another, challenging each other, and growing together. And that's something that anybody can do. Uh, I know sometimes it's hard for women to know, well, who can I really trust? Is it a safe group yeah. of people? But you will find, even if it's one or two, start there and and really yeah. connect with them. You know, and the beautiful... Yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to walk this walk of faith alone because, you know, Satan comes in like a flood to take us out. And we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us walk and lift us up. And, you know, we're, a, we're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. That's not individuals. 
you know, we're part of the body of Christ. We're not individually a body of Christ. So we, we have to be connected. You know, we have to be connected to one another. And then, as you said, we have to be connected to the head, <laughs> Jesus, through prayer and worship and and Bible studies. So yeah, those are so important. Thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. And you know, Jody, they're they're key to our vibrancy. They really are. And one of the things that I will say that is a blessing to this very day, because of the networking within the city of Houston that happened, has happened all along the way, because of my time of service at Turning Point and Somebody Cares, and then uh, with Star of Hope Mission in donor relations, there are brothers and sisters in Christ different churches, different nonprofit organizations, we stay connected. So in a sense, there is this this understanding that my life is not my own, that it belongs to Christ, but it's also, I have a commitment to others that as we journey, we are encouraging one another, press on in the faith. You're not in this alone. And uh, we can overcome whatever challenges or obstacles because somebody else needs that encouragement that comes through, say, Jody or through Susie. And we are that for each Amen. other. I think of Psalm 68, verse 6. It says, God sets the lonely in families. He doesn't want us to be lonely or alone. So if you, dear listener, are feeling lonely and alone, God will set you in a family of faith if you will ask him and step out and believe. And you know what? If you're having that struggle, uh, please email us at somebodycares at somebodycares.org. Somebodycares at somebodycares.org. Let us know where you live. We have relationships all across the country. We'll try to point you to a church or a, a fellowship or a ministry that can help you get connected. So if that's you, we invite you to email us, somebodycares at somebodycares.org. Susie, as we wrap it up. I like to ask all my guests this question. Is there a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired, encouraged, or taught you something? And and how does her story connect with your story? I've pondered that, Jody, and there are several, but the one that really comes to mind is Esther, Queen Esther, who laid it all on the line that if she did not find favor with the king, it was not only her end, but the end for the Jewish people at that time, as we understand the story of what's known as Purim and the the celebration of it. And as she prepared herself to go in to visit with the king and make her petition, the phrase that many of us have come to know, could it be that the Lord has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this? And I believe that's true for each and every one of us. It is not by coincidence, it is by divine appointment that we are each living in this season that we are in, that our life would be a, a testimony of God's faithfulness to all generations, that he is the same God of Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, that he is the same God for Jody, the same God of Susie, and that he is looking for people who will say yes in this hour. Whatever it may cost us in the natural, it's because there's something greater. It's the cause of Christ. And and fortunately for us in the United States, it, it has not been the same devastation as in other parts of the world. And the cost sometimes looks different. It looks like, well, is it your reputation? Is it, well, you didn't achieve the things that other people thought you would achieve 
those things don't matter because we're going to answer to one king and his name is Jesus. And so Esther was a valiant woman of faith and, and she put it all on the line. It's inspired me to say, you know what, for this cause, there's a calling on our lives. And I think as we progress along life's journey, we, it gets refined, it gets more defined, and we hone in on those things that God is saying, this is to be your mission from now until you go home to be with the Lord or the Lord returns. And everything else was absolutely a vital part of laying the foundation of who we are today. But he encourages us that we have a voice and the voice is meant to be used, um, whether it's by words or by actions. Well, as I think back on your story, Susie, I think of 2 Timothy 1 verse 12b, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I entrust to him until that day. You know, and I look back on you entrusting your family to the Lord as you stepped out, you know, in faith to become the first Christian in your family and then stepped out of faith to go and minister on the streets of Houston and then stepped out in faith to start a new, you know, a, a seniority services. God was faithful all the way to bring every single one of your loved ones to him when they looked like pretty impossible situations. He was faithful. He guarded what you entrusted to him and he brought it to completion. I just want to encourage you out there, our listeners, that if it looks like an impossible situation, entrust it to the Lord. He will guard it. He will bring it to completion in his timing and in his purpose. Susie, it's been just a joy to have you with us. And I'm going to have you pray for our listeners in just a minute. But uh, you recently um, recorded a worship music album with piano. And we're going to put a link on that. It, it, can people buy it online? They can. They yes. Can. Okay. Yes. So we're going to have a link to Susie's album and the scriptures that we've had um, that we've talked about today. They're going to be in our show notes. And those show notes can be found at hergodstory.org. Hopefully you will um, have this be a preferred podcast on your service. So please subscribe or like it. Uh, we'd love to have you listen to other Her God stories along the way. Uh, and if you could take a minute and rate the show on Apple or Spotify or whichever of your streaming services you use, Google Play, we'd love to have you subscribe and share it with friends. And we'd also be honored to pray with you. You can text or call Somebody Cares 24-7 Prayer Line at 855 855- 459care or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. Susie's going to pray for us. And then in the tradition of many of the Jewish fathers and mothers, uh, I'm going to pronounce a blessing over us. So Susie, pray for us and then I'll pronounce a blessing. Father, we are so grateful to you for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, you've seen us from infancy. You've seen us before we were even in our mother's womb. You know every detail of our lives. And Lord, you are faithful to watch over us, to perfect it all to the day of Jesus Christ, as your word says. So Lord, I pray for those that are listening, that are searching and seeking. What about my loved one? I haven't seen a change yet. I so desperately want my spouse to know you, or I want my child to come to faith, or my parent who's aging. Lord, I'm asking that you would answer those heart cries because you said, Mm -hmm. according to Acts 16, 31, that we and our households will be saved. 
And Lord, I thank you for loved ones that are yet to be reached. I thank you that whether it's through us or through other people, you will send people along the way to plant seeds, to water them, and to bring them to fruition to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that even in my life, as I look at the different seasons of ministry service, um, Father, that you have been faithful, faithful to watch over, faithful to uh, groom, to, to grow us up in faith, and to know how to steward the gifts and the talent that you've placed within each and every one of us, that we can serve you and honor you all the days of our life. So God, I pray for those that are seeking direction and asking you to make their crooked path straight, or they're asking you, Father, to redeem what they think has been lost or uh, somehow buried. Unbury those talents, Father. I'm praying, God, you would resurrect dreams, that you inspire the listener, Lord, to know that there is a great vision and a great purpose for their lives, and that you will be faithful to see them through every step of the way in Jesus name. Thank you, dear friends for tuning in. As we close, I want to speak a blessing over you out of number six, yeah. 24 through 26. It may be familiar to you because many pastors use this blessing to bless their congregations at the end of services, but I'm going to read it a Hebraic interpretation of the blessing, which gives a depth of meaning that we may not pick up in our traditional translations. Uh, in this interpretation, Yahweh is used to refer to God Yahweh is uh, often used by Jewish um, people to talk about God, uh, refer to God. And Yahweh um, means I am. So here it goes. Yahweh will kneel before you presenting gifts and will guard you with a hedge of protection. Yahweh will illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you bringing order. And he will give you comfort and sustenance. Yahweh will lift up his wholeness of being and look upon you and he will set in place all you need to be whole and complete. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.